We get it poppin', homie, day and night. Got the party jumpin', bout to break the ice. Stay up on my grind, that's my way of life. I got tunnel vision, I'ma chase that ray of light. And uh, Kansas has come back in the in the championship game. Wow. There's a possibility of him losing all of these games in the division. I'm not that's not a knock against the Raiders. <laughs> I think Devontae Adams is really in for a good awakening. The, the Jets have done everything to my expectations and further so far. Uh, and and they've been aggressive, too. But it might be like Joe Douglas's job on the line. And we are back. What is going on, everybody? You are back here on Jake's Takes. Of course, the podcast presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. As always, I'm Jake Serrano. Excited to be with you to start this Saturday off. And it's been a couple Saturdays, but but I'm back and I'm ready to rock. Had a couple things going on, decided to take a little season break, um, but we're back here, ready to rock and roll, and uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. As we know, the Warriors are the NBA champions. We got a lot of stuff going on in the NFL offseason, and the New York Rangers, we'll give them a shout out today, we don't talk much hockey, but the New York Rangers, they almost made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit later in the show why they didn't make it, obviously, and and what happened? Uh, now the Lightning are back for the third time in three years. So go, 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 Avalanche! We're not rooting for for the Lightning, but we got we got tons of stuff to talk about today. Um, yeah, so some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, be on the lookout. Writing up some articles this this week, finishing them up as always. Um, we got a uh, a special feature with uh, Dylan Breen, a New Jersey native, another New Jersey guy. Uh, goes to Georgian Court University is a is a star athlete really I mean the kid was just born to be an athlete uh, does long jump uh, jumps all around at Georgian Court does track and field so that's gonna be a fun one I mean you look at people who don't do track and 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 it's almost like tracks a secondary sport but somehow he found a way to make it his main and moved away from from sports like soccer and all that when and and made the switch over so we'll talk about all that a really exciting story exciting stuff and excited to have that out and i got some nfl offseason articles coming out which should be awesome where we talk about the top 10 teams coming out of this offseason which should be cool but for today's show we got a lot of cool stuff going on it's me just me today but um scheduling kind of got messed up a little bit but but next week i'm hoping to have have a couple guests on next week and we'll be back to full shape but doesn't mean we're not coming hard this week. We got a lot. We got some good stuff to talk about. So here we go. So I was going to start off with the NFL, but it's more pressing because the Warriors won. Uh, well, not last night, but they won Thursday night. So we're going to talk about the Warriors first and the NBA. So Celtics Warriors, as we all know, the finals was going on. Um, we know everything about it. Draymond was having foul trouble. Actually, Draymond played very well in Game Six. Um, Steph Curry finally got his finals MVP, so that's huge. The Warriors take the 4-2 series win over the Celtics in Boston um, and finally get their fourth NBA title in eight years, their sixth, as we know, appearance in eight years. Um, Truly, truly remarkable what the Warriors have been able to accomplish with Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. Draymond and Clay was able to come back and complete his journey after two injuries. Uh, truly exciting what they were able to do last night uh, and, and hold the win after after the fact where 
where they were up big at halftime. And in the third quarter, the Celtics were starting to roar, roar back a little bit with a 12-2 run. It started to look like maybe, maybe we're heading to a Game 7. And Steph Curry and the Warriors said no in the fourth quarter, closed it out. We are not going to a Game 7 and took it home. And you could really see, if you watched it, the raw emotion um, really from every, each and every one of these players and really what it meant to them, what it meant to Steph Curry, what it meant to the Warriors, uh, really to the whole organization. It almost seemed like this win, uh, you could just feel it. Like it felt more than the other title wins they have had. You know, Steph Curry won with uh, Kevin Durant a couple times. They had three NBA titles uh, within the decade uh, prior to this one. So you could, But you could feel it. Almost, you know, when Steph Curry was talking and, and, and Andrew Wiggins was talking um, and Clay was talking, you could feel it. You could feel the raw emotion and what it really meant to these guys. It's been a long journey, especially for Clay, a guy who, who was injured twice, missed two years. And, you t- and Draymond talked about it, you know. <laughs> he quote-unquote said they sucked, you know, the two years he wasn't there. And I said it, but um, I said it before. I think it was we did the roundtable or, or, or it might have been the show with Wad we did a couple, days, a couple weeks ago, but... Um, they were missing him, obviously, and a lot of people know that. And I thought maybe he would be Finals MVP. I'm happy Steph Curry actually was able to finally get that that MVP. Um, he well deserved, obviously. But man, they missed they missed Clay, and and they finally they're shown basically what <laughs> they have a real real good shot next year just to repeat the whole thing again. They're a very strong core team, um, and it's very hard to break something like that. And on the other side. For the Celtics, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I just want to mention it now. It's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a steeper road ahead. But getting back to the Warriors again, um, I, I think finally Steph Curry getting his finals MVP, which he so needed because so many people are, oh, you know, he's the greatest shooter of all time, but oh, he's missing the finals MVP. Oh, you know, he's probably the one of the greatest players in NBA history. We can't knock down Steph Curry no more. Uh, you know, we got to stop comparing guys. Steph Curry is in his, his own realm. Um, the man is a dog. He he gets it done for his team. He's a team player. And to, to bring it in and, and get, accomplish what he's accomplished in the past couple years is, is extraordinary. And um, I, I think we should stop questioning him really start giving him more credit, especially with what he did with Kevin Durant, too. Um, you know, he took took the seat back a little bit, let, let, let Durant, obviously, uh, take more of the shooting role. And uh, even though they won those championships, he never came away with the MVP. The man's, you know, a couple times MVP, two-time MVP in the NBA League. So, I mean, we got to stop knocking, knocking Steph. He is, bar none, one of the greatest players in the NBA history. And I think this finals MVP really, truly does mean something. And it means something historically. Finally, there's something there that, that really can't be argued. And uh, it, like I said, his raw emotion when I was watching that last night after the win, you could see it all game. You know, we're not going home. We were showing the rings. Um, I mean, just to do it in Boston, they won three out of the four games away in Boston. So to do it the way they did it, um, to keep winning at home, to knock out teams like the young team like the Grizzlies, to take off the Mavericks, um, to knock off the Celtics, you know, the Warriors were made for this moment, and they truly showed it uh, last night in Game 6. So talking a little bit about the Celtics, I mean, we talked about this before with the Suns, um, we've talked about it with some NFL teams, it's hard to come back 
especially in the NBA because there's so many games, to come back from a long season to lose and then to go into the locker room feeling like you lost the season. And the, the Celtics turned it around at the end of the season, the regular season this year, uh, and they had an extraordinary year. So, I mean, there's nothing to be, I guess, disappointed about. Uh, they had a, one heck of a season, and to go into the locker room and, and, and be sad and disappointed on what could have been and not celebrating what you did do this year, I mean, sometimes that could play a mental factor in how things roll into next year. It's a long road ahead for the Celtics. And um, listen, Jason Tatum, I mean, Jalen Brown played great. Jason Tatum had his ups and downs. Uh, so, I mean, they didn't play all together all the time. The turnovers were the biggest issue for me. Like I said on that NBA roundtable we had, turnovers were going to be, and it sounds obvious, but turnovers were going to be the deciding factor in this one. I mean, we look at the Celtics' defense. If they could get more turnovers, if they could produce it, get the ball back for their offense, because we know how dynamic the Warriors' offense is and how consistent they can be and how their shooting is. So when you're the Celtics and you commit 20-plus turnovers, 18-plus turnovers on your offense – that on any given day is going to get you the loss, nine times out of ten. So, you know, I hate to to be critical, but sloppiness in the turnover game was crucial. They couldn't get the win at home. The crowd was feeling at the third quarter. You could really feel like almost like the game was starting to change, and then boom, that stopped in the fourth. But that was killer, and we talk about mental humps all the time. It's going to be tough, like I said, a long road to come back from this. you got Jason Tatum, who's very young, a lot of young players on that squad. They can do it. It's just going to be a long road ahead, and I think you have to take it day by day, step by step, and really start by by saying, looking back on last season and and looking at what we did right and and not always focusing on what you did wrong. I feel like it's important as an athlete, too, to celebrate what you accomplished in a season. It's so, so many times, athletes, you get to the, uh, you know, like the pivotal point in your year, the climax of the year, and you lose, and all of a sudden, it's off. I love what, you know, what Joe Burrow said in in the NFL uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals, the quarterback. You know, they celebrated after the loss of the Super Bowl, which sometimes is almost unheard of, uh, and they celebrated what they did, you know. You have a great season like that. Sometimes they don't come that often. Winning is hard. Winning isn't easy. And getting to that point every year isn't easy. We saw it with the Suns this year. It's not easy. And to 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 sulk in disappointment, which is understandable, but overly so, uh, you, you got to try and find a way to come back from that. It all starts with trying to see what you did well with last season, working on that, and then critiquing what went wrong last year and moving forward, finding a way to move forward, finding a way to to move on uh, because it's so hard. Your memory has to be so short in these leagues um, and they work so hard, all these players, to make it to this point. And to lose like that, understandably, is hard. Uh, but you have to find a way to move on. The league, your memory has to be so short in every league. Um, you just got to find a way to do it and it's easier for me to say it than do it. But uh, at the end of the day, fans and, and the media and teams and players and other, other players, other teams are preparing. They're getting ready for next season, so you do too. 
uh, and eventually you're going to have to come back from that. And we'll see what the Celtics can do next year. But congratulations to the Golden State Warriors, the 2022 NBA champions. As I said, actually, I said with Fawad, I said they get it in six games, and they did. I changed that to seven roundtable, but the Warriors, they get the win. So you should have voted for me on that roundtable over there because clearly I was right. <laughs> and... Uh, Listen, the Warriors get the win, and uh, truly excited. Andrew Wiggins played well. Draymond finally picked it up in the sixth game. Uh, Really a great all-around effort by every guy, Jordan Poole. So um, truly remarkable season by the Warriors. And they got it done. 2022 NBA champions, your Golden State Warriors. So let's move on to our next topic. Here we go. So we got the NFL. Uh, we got a couple things I wanted to bring up in the NFL. Some actually, I actually brought up some topics that that um, are not, I guess I would say, nationally heard of. That, that doesn't sound fair. I tried to pick some teams that are not much talked about today. Um, so I actually went with my top three sneakiest teams coming into this year. Uh, I don't think I put them in a particular order. Uh, but but I got t- I got my three teams coming into next year that I think are going to be sneaky. We should talk about and why. Um, we're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about retirement, retirement and retiring before thirty. And then what Tyreek Hill had to say about Patrick Mahomes and what Patrick Mahomes had to say about Tyreek Hill's comments. So we're going to start with our top three sneaky teams. First, I got the Colts. Like I said, not in particular order, but I wanted to name these three teams out. So you look at what they did in the offseason, bringing in Matt Ryan, bringing in Nagakwe on the defense. Um, they still have Jonathan Taylor. The offense line is going to be solid. The defense is good. They brought in Stephon Gilmore in, in, in the back end. And Quinny Pay is developing there on the defensive edge. And I guess it's they could be sticky. It's a very interesting topic for the Colts because you have, you're in a division where in the AFC South not too many teams are talked about. Um, and you're the Colts who have had a defense that has been playoff ready with Darius Leonard in, in, in the linebacking group for the past couple of years. And you look at the Colts and you say, okay, Andrew Luck, well, you know, he's gone. Um, Phillip Rivers, well, they went to the playoffs and he's gone. Carson Wentz, that, that didn't work out. Now you got Matt Ryan. Um, what is going to happen with Frank Wright and Chris Ballard if they can't get it done this season? I feel like they are in jeopardy. Matt Ryan needs to find a way to get a win for this team and get them back to the playoffs because ultimately that's what they brought him here for. And after leaving Atlanta and after the whole situation, after they tried to trade for Deshaun Watson. So we'll see. I think it's interesting because they got Jonathan Taylor in the background, but not much else. I mean, you got Michael Pittman Jr. on the outside, but the weapons are not very strong there in Indianapolis, and that was something I thought they needed to improve. They could still bring in Julio Jones, still some guys in the free agency market, We'll see what moves they can make. But if they can find a way around the top team right now, which I think is the Tennessee Titans in that division, I mean, the division's not all that far out. If you can win the division, you're in the playoffs. I mean, it's really the Tennessee Titans and nobody else, unless the Texans and the Jaguars surprise me. But, again, I go off a pattern in recency, and and really the top two teams in that division are going to be the Colts and the Titans. And the Titans, I mean, they've done it and done it year in and year and out. But at one point, it's not going to happen for them. And uh, I think the division is closer than people think. And the, the Colts have a legitimate shot this year. Returning to the playoffs, how far they make it is up to them. I mean, they switched their scheme. Or their scheme's the same. They switched their quarterback so many times into, into, and keep repeating a scheme. 
Um, it's very hard to to find a groove in that. Uh, even Darius Leonard made a comment. It's like the fifth quarterback in five years. So it's hard. But I think the Colts, um, if played right and if they can gel together quick, they could be a sneaky team this offseason. The Saints. Now the Saints are interesting because they have Jameis Winston coming back from the ACL injury. And the Saints were pretty productive. I think they were 4-2 and two or 5-2 and two when Jameis Winston was in last year. They clearly can beat the Bucs with any quarterback they have. Uh, it shows no challenge to them somehow. Um, but they have, you know, Michael Thomas could be coming back, which would be great. Jarvis Landry, they brought him in the offseason. Chris Olave, they lost Armstead on, uh, Teron Armstead on the uh, offensive line at left tackle. But you bring in Trevor Penning, who I was so high on in the draft. The guy's a monster. Still have Alvin Kamara in the backfield. So the offense, even though you lose some pieces, seems like it's still ready. I mean, Sean Payton's no, not there anymore, but you hire in-house. You're bringing Dennis Allen to be the head coach. Um, they have a really good chance, again, at leading the division because it's no surprise that they can beat the Buccaneers. The defense, they replenish the defense with Marcus May and Tyron Matthew in there. Uh, they still have Marshawn Lattimore and Cameron Jordan. So you look at this squad and you say, man, you know, the Saints, they, they could get it done because the vision isn't really all that far out. You look at the Panthers, no. You look at the Falcons, no. It's really, again, like the AFC South. It's like, uh, you know, the Colts and the Titans. It's the Bucks and the Saints. And for the Saints, it's actually a lot easier because they've beaten the Bucks before and they've proven it the past two years. So would I be surprised if the Saints aren't top of the division by the end of the year? No, actually I wouldn't. And, and again, Tom Brady's getting older. He retired. And I think now it's becoming more of a question because he retired, he came back. What's he going to do? How well is he going to perform? Again, it's Tom Brady. Hard to question him. But again, still getting older, still getting up there. Could be his last year. Has that uh, deal. I don't know if it was Fox or CBS, but he's going to be a broadcaster or whatever afterwards. So he's got plans afterwards. He's thinking already for the future. Already was 40 days off or whatever. So we'll see. And I think the Saints actually could surprise a lot of people. Team is stronger than you think if they can stay healthy again. The Minnesota Vikings. Another one of my teams. We talked about the Vikings actually earlier at a very, very early episode. I think it was like episode two or three. Um, but the Vikings are interesting because, well, I talk a lot about Kirk Cousins, but you still got Adam Thielen. K.J. Osborne showed some, some some signs last year. You lost Tyler Conklin at, at tight end. He went to the Jets. Nice. Uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, Dalvin Cook. So you look at this offense. It's a very dynamic offense. And what could Kirk Cousins bring to it? We saw last year his stats, his stats show what he could do. It's just hard to evaluate him because when it comes crunch time, when it becomes clutch time, He's not always there to perform. He's a good quarterback, I say. Not always a great quarterback, but he's good enough to lead this offense. He was brought here to bring this team to the playoffs, to bring a championship there. Hasn't happened. He's brought them to the playoffs, but he hasn't brought a championship there. We'll see if they can do this year. But the problem was last year, again, defense was holding them down. They brought in Lewis Seen, uh, I want to say from Georgia, and they brought in Andrew Booth from Clemson to help them out secure that back end safety and corner. Uh, so the defense needed help. They brought in Kevin O'Connell as a new head coach. We shall see. But again, another division where even though the Lions, I think, could be strong. I don't think the Bears are going to be that great this year. The Lions could be sneaky, uh, but I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs. But you look at, really, again, the Packers and the Vikings, the top two teams in that division. And you look at the Packers, and you say, well, they're, de- they're a little bit depleted on offense, again. 
Uh, but the defense, very, very extraordinary defense they got going on there, adding adding players like Quay Locker, Walker and Devontae Wyatt from Georgia in this year's first round, losing Devontae Adams, but you know bringing guys in the draft um, like Watson. So we'll see what happens, but I don't know. Again, it's another close division. I would not be surprised if the Vikings could win that. It's all, all in the hands. Kevin O'Connell will see what he can produce coming from the Rams. Can he bring the Vikings over the hump and get Kirk Cousins where he wanted to be, where the Viking organization wanted to be so many years ago? It's, it's really going to be really interesting. Um, but those are my three teams. I'm interested to see what you guys think. I got the Colts, Saints, and Vikings. A lot of teams could be sneaky. The Jets could win the Super Bowl this year. I'm just going to stop right there. Um, well, we wish they could win the Super Bowl, but I don't know. We'll see. You never know what could happen with the Jets. Um but those are my top three teams this year. And I, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens, what goes down after just, just a crazy offseason in the NFL. But speaking of the Colts, actually, the Colts safety's Keir uh, Willis retired at 26 this week. May not have heard of him, but he was the fourth-round pick for the Colts four years ago. Why is he retiring? Well, he's going to go pursue some ministry work Um leaving the NFL, you know, accruing three, over $3 million over the course of four years. So I, I think it brings the question, you know, is it easier to retire before 30, retire young as an NFL player? A lot of players, I've seen a lot over the past couple of years do it. Um, I think Ali Marpet retired this past offseason as well. Uh, you retire early, I mean, when you make your money, you put it away. And you go pursue something else. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, they retire because either it's injury or or family or a lot of times it's injury. I mean, we saw what happened to Gronk, too, and Andrew Luck. But I think it's interesting to bring up my top five players to retire before 30. Now, early, I could have said early, but I wanted to try and do before 30 or 30 or before. So, um, but really interesting. You know, I, I think it's. You know, you retire before 30 in the NFL. You get banged up. You play You play hard. You play for a couple years. I mean, you make a couple million. Hey, what are you going to do? If you're a backup quarterback in the NFL like Ryan Fitzpatrick was for a couple years of journeyman, he made loads of money. It's crazy, crazy what these guys can do, even if you're like a fourth-round pick. Absolutely insane. But my top five players to retire before 30. At number five, with much respect, I got Terrell Davis, the Hall of Famer, two Super Bowl rings, Super Bowl MVP, a 2,000-yard rusher. Holds the record for eight postseason touchdowns. Retired at 29. Terrell Davis obviously changed the game for the Denver Broncos back in the 90s, late 90s, and the early 2000s. Before he got injured, I want to say around 2000, 2001. So he was an elite runner and really helped them. Was really a pivotal point in their Super Bowl runs. Um, So I got him here at number five. At number four, a guy from my generation, Luke Keekley, the seven-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, you know, there's not. There's a lot to say about uh, about Luke Kuechly. He could play in the coverage. He could play in the box. I mean, he was an all-around linebacker, great tackler. He was all over the field. When you were playing the Carolina Panthers, you were looking out for Luke Kuechly on that defense and saying, "How can I avoid this guy?" Um, the five-time All-Pro again. He's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Retired at the age of 30. Again, he retired. I want to say due to a foot injury. Um, so another injury, Terrell Davis retired of injury. A lot of these guys leave early, but Luke Keekley, I mean, he was dominant while he was here 
and a force to be reckoned with. A lot, a lot of teams did not <laughs> want to try to run it or throw it really quickly. He was just all around the field and a great, great linebacker. Number three could be controversial because he's actually still in the league, but Gronk. Rob Gronkowski, the man who retired in 2019, even though he came back um, to pursue another championship with Tom Brady. Um, as we know, a dynamic tight end, unstoppable in the middle of the field. He's a great blocker, too, which is a lot of people don't understand. But you get that energy, too, which is what I love about Gronk. You get his, you know, he brings it to the field. He's just crazy. He brings brings a great, great energy to everyone. Um and he, sometimes he could just be the core of the team. And it's, sometimes it's hard to stop to him when he was in his prime. Hard to tackle him. Unfortunately, another guy who was plagued by injury. Um, but the four-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time Super Bowl champ, 92 career touchdowns. Rob Gronkowski, probably one of the best tight ends in NFL history. Um, when you got a name like Gronk and the Gronk spike, hard not to put him on the list. But he is playing, so again, could be controversial. At number two, we got Calvin Johnson, the man they call Megatron. When you're called Megatron, you're going on the list. He retired before 30. Um, He was so fast and unstoppable. I think it was like 6'5", 6'6". Absolutely insane for how tall he was. There were games where he was covered by three, four defenders and still caught the ball. I mean, that's how good he was. Became a Hall of Famer this past offseason. Or maybe it was two off-seasons ago, but he's a Hall of Famer, five-time All-Pro, three-time All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler. Um, 2012, he had that, for Cooper Cup, had his this year, had nearly 2,000 yards receiving, 122 receptions, 1,964 yards that year. Absolutely insane. The only two guys that I could ever think of that tried to lock him up was Darrell Revis and Brett Grimes, and they succeeded. But, I mean, other than that, there were, I mean, he was blown. I've seen videos against like with three Cincinnati Bengals, and he still catches it in the court of the end zone. He's all the way up and catches it. I mean, it's very hard to cover, and it would be, it would have been a sight to see if he actually kept playing because there wasn't really much stopping him from playing. Um, he wasn't a guy who was plagued by injury his career. He could have kept going. Would he have stayed with the Lions? That's a question that would have been answered. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he went with the Packers. I'm not sure where he would have went. But how much more would he have done if he was still in the league? I think that he had still had a lot more to offer. And Calvin Johnson, the man they call Megatron. Got to put him at number two on the list. At number one, of course, you know I'm going to put Andrew Luck, the former first-round pick, quarterback for the Colts out of Stanford. Stepped away from the game way too soon from injury. Again, another guy who was plagued. Not really entirely his fault. The offensive line wasn't very good while he was there. Four-time pro baller, even after all that. Probably one of the greatest comebacks in postseason history in my my time against Alex Smith and the Chiefs. Absolutely amazing. I can only, I can just think right now, the play where they fumble on the goal line. Andrew Luck picks it up and leaps over the goal line for the touchdown and brings them off like 40 to 38 or whatever it was after, after being down like three or four touchdowns in the first half. Absolutely ridiculous. Andrew Luck was a smart, smart player. Um, really, truly disappointing. He had the walk away early. He would have been... Uh, he was the lifeline after Peyton Manning left. He was just lifeline for the Colts. That was their guy. And they've been struggling since to find a guy to replace him. 2018 and 2014, he had 39 and 40 touchdowns. Nearly 5,000 yards each of those seasons. Andrew Luck, 
probably one of the greatest quarterbacks to not finish his career. Um, disappointing what happened to him. The offense line got hit a lot uh, and, and uh, just wasn't able to finish it out. But, again, that's why I made this list. Interesting to bring some of those guys up, guys who retired before 30, 30 or before, Andrew Luck. Probably one of the greatest players to not finish his career. Uh, but I want to throw out an honorable mention, of course. You know I'm going to bring him to the Jets any way I can. The Brickishaw Ferguson, probably the guy who has the coolest name in the NFL. Cornerstone left tackle. And it makes me think, too, for Jets fans, going to bring this up. What's going to happen to Makai Beckman? There's a lot of doubters, a lot of haters. Uh, what's his weight at? Uh, what's he doing? He's not practicing. I heard he's still rehabbing. Um, so when is he going to get on the field? When's he going to start playing is really what I want to see. And I'm not going to doubt him because he's only in year three. He missed a lot of last season, which was disappointing. If he's still rehabbing, I find that concerning. But the weight and all that stuff uh, doesn't really matter because I feel like he's been working. I've seen he's been posting stuff. So we'll see. All I want to see is him get on the field and be productive. He could be one of the best tackles in the NFL, or he could be completely, you know, disappear. Either way, I still want to see him get on the field before we start criticizing him, even though he missed all of last year. Makai Becton could be the cornerstone left tackle the Jets are missing, and uh, we'll see. I mean, that, that draft class so far has been iffy. We'll see what happens to Denzel Mims as well. But Makai Becton, a monster. Guy says he's monster. I mean, Brees Hall saw him. He said he was ginormous. So what can Makai Becton do? He's still a young player. We can't write him off yet. But I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very interested to see what he can do this year, this season for the Jets. And, the, you know, the coaching staff, Sal and, and Joe Douglas, were very honest about it. They're going to let, you know, Makai Becton and George Fant, who George Fant didn't get, get hurt last year, played very well. And, you know, they're going to let them battle it out for left tackle and right tackle. So we'll see what happens if, if Becton can come back and compete. Uh, one more topic we're going to bring up about the NFL today. Is Tyreek Hill, <laughs> Tyreek Hill brought up some comments about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I find this very funny because, so the Chiefs weren't using them enough. And Patrick Mahomes is less accurate than Tua. All right, let me think about that. He has probably the most receptions in the past couple years uh, than any other wide receiver in the league. Let me put it that way. He's had, he had over 160, 70 odd targets last year. He was used quite a lot. Um, so that one I don't really understand. So I mean, it was, even if even if I don't have all the numbers, you remember just their offense, the Chiefs' offense, put in the simplest terms was Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Like they didn't throw it to anybody else. The run game was wasn't there. I mean, it was just those two guys. So for him to ask for the ball more is just absolutely insane. He, that's all. That's all the offense was was him and. And Travis Kelsey, I mean, they were the two main guys. So, But the, the comments about Patrick Mahomes I find really interesting because I actually went, watch, went back to watch Patrick Mahomes' tape. Like, I went back to watch some games, and I'm like, what is he talking about? And Patrick Mahomes is hitting him on the dime. I mean, he's got amazing arm talent, and we all, as we all know. But he's hitting guys game in and game out. And I'm trying to think, well, okay, it was two and more accurate. Tua's a very accurate guy, but can Tua throw up the ball down the field very accurately? Sometimes not. I mean, we haven't seen it consistently. So, uh, 
did that need to be said on That's What Needed to Be Said podcast? Maybe not, but uh, listen, you're, tell, you're, you're hyping Tua up, which is great, and I understand now you're in Miami or whatever, but we need to see what Tua can do first. Uh, and as a Jets fan, I mean, I'm not all in support for Miami, obviously, for obvious reasons, but I don't know. I'm not sure how this whole Miami thing with, with Tyreek Kill is even going to work out. We'll see. But I am I am not I am not entirely sure. But anyway, Patrick Mahomes responded on it. He said he was surprised. Uh, I'll read his quote, what he said. He said, I'm, I'm surprised a little just because I feel like we love Tyreek here. We've always loved him. We still love him. Uh, I saw him out in Formula One in Miami. I'm sure it had to do something with trying to get his podcast, some stuff, and get it rolling. I still love Tyreek. Um, he's a one-of-a-kind player and all this good jazz. So, you know, Mahomes is a little surprised what he said, but he's still praising Tyreek. So, listen. I mean, for Tyreek to come out and say that about Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest quarterbacks we've seen uh, in our time currently, really just... I'm curious. I'm going to put a poll, and I'm going to see what you guys think. Is is Tua more accurate than Mahomes? We're going to see what you guys think. But I think they brought – I saw some numbers the other day that it was like 43% to 45% completion percentage over 40 or 10 yards deeper, and Mahomes was higher. So, I mean, we'll see. But, again, to say something like that, I think he's just trying to play more into Miami's terms, trying to hype up Tua, but – Patrick Mahomes, bar none, is probably one of the greatest quarterbacks we've seen come across the field. Just so dynamic in such a young way. Uh, very hard to to come around that. But let's move on to our next topic. Here we go. So <laughs> moving a lot faster than I thought I would. Uh, but that's all right. Because next week we got a uh, – bringing out some bringing out some people. Hopefully I can get our guy Jack Kroll back on, which should be exciting. So we could do that. And uh, maybe I'll talk about one more topic today. We'll see where that goes. But, listen, I wanted to bring up the NHL and, the, and hockey. Like I said, we don't talk much hockey. But, again, more of like a shout-out less than anything else. But uh, the New York Rangers, I mean, they made it very far. You got to – I have to. I have to talk about a New York team if they made it this far. I don't watch much hockey. But I did watch the playoffs because, obviously, the Rangers were in it. And, uh, you know, excited to see another New York team get after it. But, you know, you watched – Again, the pay, they play the Penguins to beat the bang, Penguins, play the Hurricane till 7. Um, you come into the Lightning a little tired. You win the first two games, which is great. I mean, their passing was on point. They look flawless. Uh, you win the first two games at home. You go back to Tampa, and you lose. Um, they could have picked up the, another game at home. Did not happen in Game 5. <sighs> I mean, just didn't, just didn't happen to them. Didn't come down the stretch. Lost too much. And uh, I think fatigue and, and really the whole playoff experience really got to them. And, again, this, the Lightning are back for the third time. I mean, not really – not all exciting for me. I'd rather want to see the Avalanche. I want to see this Avalanche win. I'm going to root for the Avalanche. But, um, really, I think truly, truly, truly remarkable season by the Rangers after what they did last year. Brutal season. Uh, coming back this year, having a young team, being able to compete – uh, great season by the Rangers. Just wanted to give them a shout-out. Unfortunately, could not get it done against the Lightning. And uh, their season's over, but 
winning those first two games, coming out hot, and then falling out after those after those after those first two games. I watched every game, so, but just just disappointing after the season they had uh, just to come short, win those first two games, and come out like that, uh, and really lose the last four. Unfortunate for the New York Rangers. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. There is one last thing. Um, I guess I wanted to mention, but so next week we're gonna bring. I'm gonna try and bring on Jack Kroll. We're gonna talk some NFL. We're gonna talk some NBA. We're gonna we're gonna dive a little deeper into the finals and the Warriors win. But excited to be back again. Um, we're gonna look and get the show. Keep it rolling here. Like I said, I got some articles we're ready to pump out. So be on the lookout for those if you want to read them. Um, they should be exciting. Definitely read the Dylan Breen track and field uh, feature piece. Should be It's going to be a great piece. It's going to be exciting. So I hope everyone can get out and read it. Of course, we'll post it out whenever that is ready and available. Like I said, almost finished up with it. But, yeah, just excited to be back. Took the break off. And, uh, you know, happy, ever excited if, if people are listening. Keep listening. You know, I appreciate the comments when people do. Um, it just, you know, it means what I'm working for, what we're doing here at Tunnel Vision is, uh, is working and we're, we're, you know, we're happy to provide the content as always. So, whew, man, I feel like there's more, I, I've more I got to do. <laughs> I feel like there's more I should, I should be doing, but I don't know. I breezed through that pretty quickly today, which is surprising. I thought I would have been a little, little more extensive on that, but Hey, 40 minutes is 40 minutes. So. But uh, great, great show today. I, I enjoyed it. Um, next week, we're going to bring on some people. We're going to start some student athletes, too. That's what I wanted to mention, too. Okay, we're gonna try, I'm going to try and keep doing the student athlete interview. If you are a student athlete, try and contact me any way you can. Um, if you don't know me, if you know me, um, again, you can reach me anywhere. One of my emails, serranojake333 at gmail.com. Uh, another email I answer to. Uh, is Jacob Anthony Serrano OCC at gmail.com. So I got a couple of emails. You can reach out to me there. Um, oh, and my TVS email again, you can reach out to me. That's sjake at tvsportsstaff.com. Again, that's sjake at tvsportsstaff.com. Reach out to me any way that, that you can on those. Uh, and if you want to get interviewed as a student athlete, you're up and coming, or, or you just want to, you want to get on the show, talk some sports too, send me an email. Let's talk. Let's get some, let's hash some things out and hopefully I can get you on, but I would love to bring on some new people, bring on some new content, bring on some new stories and, uh, and get it rolling again. If you, you know, if you want to come on for an interview, that's all, all you, I'm always looking to help out some young student athletes and get them a little, as much shine as we can, uh, here on Jake Stakes on the show. So Uh, But we're going to wrap it up today, and and I'll see you guys next week, and hopefully we'll have a little bit of a longer show. I'm looking to bring on a couple of guests next week, so it should be exciting. So once again, thank you for joining me today on another edition of Jake's Takes. Of course, it was a short show, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Again, I'll be back next Saturday to provide more of my takes to cover. Remember to vision Tunnel Vision Sports at tvsportsmag.com. Follow our Instagram at TunnelVisionSports underscore and our Twitter account at underscore TV Sports. Once again, don't forget to follow our Jake's Takes Instagram account at Jake's Takes TVS for everything you need podcast-wise. Uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, follow button, leave a like, comment, rating, 
on the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, I'm Jake Serrano signing off. Thank you once again for listening. And remember to keep up with all your sports needs with Tunnel Vision Sports. Positive shift in sports media. We get it popping, homie, day and night. Got the party jumping, about to break the ice. Stay up on my grind, that's my way of life. I got tunnel vision, I'ma chase that real life.